This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sapanos. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Kasai Hussain, founder and CEO of CyberClinic. It's an online mental health care clinic providing Australians access, connection, quality therapeutic matching, online video consultations, and measurements supporting outcomes anywhere, anytime. Kasai talks us through his professional journey, having started initially as a lawyer, then moving into forensic psychology, operating a private practice, and then into the world of online mental health care. CyberClinic uses a match, connect, and measure approach, and Kasai explains what these things mean to consumers and practitioners, and the key benefits to the therapeutic alliance, the clinical engagement, and the client outcomes. Kasai and I explain how this integration and our digital health network cooperative model work for private practices or independent practitioners to ensure access to healthcare in a safe, seamless, and secure way. This is about matching demand with available supply of healthcare practitioners in the right place, right time, and based on appropriate clinical and professional fit. Let's jump in. Well, hey, Kasai, uh, thanks for uh, coming along today. How are you doing today? Doing really well, considering the circumstances and what, what we're living through right now. It's going okay. It's a crazy time. Kasai, tell us about yourself and the journey you've been on. What brings you to this and, point? Uh, I'm, I'm originally from, from India. A lot of people don't know, but I've, I graduated as a, as a lawyer. So I was a criminal defense lawyer for, for a number of years before I moved into, into psychology. And, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, well, why, why do you do that? And, you know, if you're, if you're a criminal defense lawyer, it's, you feel like you're kind of like a doorman at a revolving door. People come in, you get them out, they're back in again. And I felt back then that I could do more with my time and uh, better utilize sort of the skills that I that I had and I was really interested in in psychology at the at that time and I I was trying to work out a way in which I could integrate sort of the knowledge from from law with with psychology I found uh, a course uh, in forensic psychology in in New York and this was the first of its kind so I I left law practice of law and I, I moved to America and I did a master's in forensic psych work there uh, in a number of different industries, uh, really some exciting, exciting work. And then, you know, I moved here to uh, to Melbourne to do my uh, doctorate at Melbourne Uni. Since then, you know, I started my own practice, and I've been doing that. And then, you know, the journey into into cyber clinic as a as a result of all of that. Yeah, and that's quite an extensive period of time. I think you were uh, telling me it was a little over fifteen years uh, from that journey leading you into uh, establishing cyber clinic. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So I've been uh, practicing now for over you know fifteen years uh, as a clinical forensic uh, psychologist. The main sort of uh, you know motivations behind Cyber Clinic was really the constant complaints that we were getting, as as you would probably know, in in the mental health care industry, which was really around navigating the mental health care system and finding the right fit practitioner. And so that's really what sort of brought about the uh, the design of uh, of Cyberclinic because I was really looking for a way to develop a system around how patients 
could uh, find the right fit practitioner and get you know the best possible outcome because we know that that therapeutic alliance really uh, increases outcome. When I started on on that journey, what what happened was we started to look at sort of you know different products, uh, what we could sort of utilize, and one of the things that we we found is that there was nothing really out there from a technological point of view that could seamlessly integrate into the clinical workflow of my practice. So this was at the time Silego, which is my you know bricks and mortar practice, and I was trying to integrate that into into Silego, and what and, and we couldn't really find anything. There, there was really no no technology. You know, that said about me looking at what we could develop and and working out whether there was uh, a way that we could improve improve the patient experience and get them engaged and connected to practitioners that kind of, you know, were most suitable for them. And so that's when we developed the app. So the CyberClinic app was uh, was developed really to, to address that particular pain point of patients. What we found is that it actually becomes, from from a practice point of view, it actually became really quite uh, cost prohibitive. And because what what do you know, you know, technology is is moving at such a rapid speed. There's exponential growth in technology now, and the costs associated with with that technology, with keeping up to date, uh, having an entire tech team to really you know keep up to date with everything that's uh, that's happening, with all the development that needs to take place, the securities, et cetera, et cetera. So having having that entire team in place becomes really cost prohibitive for you know small group practices and sole practitioners. To a large extent, and so what we we then did was we we started to shift our focus to the pain points associated with practitioners because we looked at that sort of model and we said, well, we could probably release it to other practitioners, other uh, you know clinics, uh, because that would solve a problem from a cost point of view for for them to actually go out and you know have to develop their own teams internally in house, and so that's how we we developed the the, the model. To, to suit practitioners. And so when we release that out to, to practitioners, you know, the, some of the real sort of pain points associated with, with practitioners is, is, is referrals, you know, getting referrals. And what, you know, as a, as, a, as a practitioner, what you want to do is you don't want to lock yourself into one particular uh, revenue stream. So the idea is to, you know, develop a number of different revenue streams, which is what we have done on, on the platform from a B2B model, partnerships with other, you know, corporates, organizations, and, and also in a B2C model going directly out to, out to the consumer. So that was, you know, the, the referrals was one, one sort of, you know, pain point that, you know, obviously practitioners have. The other is also associated with the admin tasks. In a sole practice or a small group practice, uh, there are sort of your know, admin costs are, you know, pretty, pretty high. And what we were looking at doing was how we could use technology to actually reduce that particular cost as well. And so we have automated a lot of the systems on the on the platform, which then, you know, prevents uh, dropouts, increases retention rates of, of patients, reminders, you know, those kinds of things. So that has been, you know, really beneficial for, for practitioners. And then, of course, uh, you know, uh, advertising costs. I mean, you know, for uh, sole practitioners, group practices, you know, advertising costs are, are really high if you're looking at sort of Google and getting getting out there. We now know that, you know, a lot of the, the ways in which you you need to kind of reach your your client base is through social media and 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 online and you know those present really 
significant costs as well. So that was another sort of modality in which we started to, you know, integrate that and develop, uh, you know, a huge presence and online. And of course, then the, you know, the cost associated with just uh, practice itself, right? You know, if you're working in a GP practice, there's the commissions that you have to pay, really large uh, commissions to, to GPs. And so those costs are all brought down through the cyber clinic uh, platform. And so I think, you know, from a, from a practitioner point of view, it, it really addresses a number of different areas in which they can benefit on the platform. I relate to what you've uh, built there as, in a sense, creating a digital health program or a digital mental health program in a sense where you are able to align it and target it towards um, a certain communities or certain members of the community and create that whole journey that makes it easier for people to take the step towards mental health care support and accessing mental health care. And by delivering it via the, the mobile application, effectively embedding yourself into you know that universal smart tech device that pretty much the majority of the population has. Uh, so it makes it a lot easier for Australians to be able to say, okay, how do, I, how do I start this process? How do I initiate this journey? And they're coming into the process. And, and I think that's kind of a, an understated part of your business model. It was a big, it was a big part of why I uh, wanted to work with you on this because the, uh, that whole referral dilemma on the other side is definitely, uh, I think, more of a universal uh, kind of phenomena in it. And it always boggles my mind how much healthcare providers, mental health as well as the rest of our line health, spend on advertising to develop relationships with uh, clients or uh, acquire clients. And when you think about the statistics in Australia, it's pretty clear that there is uh, there's a great deal of demand for, uh, for mental health care. Uh, demand is not the problem. It seems to be that uh, the problem is really access, you know, lowering the barriers to entry, supporting that orchestration dilemma. You know, if the only way that uh, people can come into uh, access mental health is uh, via a Google search, then, you know, you'd invest everything in that. But that's not the only way it works. There's the GP pathway. There's other points of care, that self-referral kind of process that happens as well. There's working with primary health care networks, developing and unfolding around how we actually get access to mental health care. I think what's really important in your model is that you've programized it, you've made it you made it really simple and easy uh, in the smart tech context for somebody to be able to say, okay, I'm going to initiate any, um, a part, uh, the next part of the journey here. Tell me what happens from the uh, customer's point of view, that client experience. So they've downloaded the app, they come into your system. What, what happens from that point onwards? CyberClinic has really been designed as a patient-centric app and you know as you know there, there are a lot of uh, platforms out there there are the telehealth platforms uh, uh, digital platforms but a lot of those platforms are uh, you know practitioner centric so what what you have to do is you've got to sort of plug and play uh, incorporate them into your clinic and then be able to go out and get access to uh, to patients whereas we've kind of flipped that entire model around and focused it back on the on the uh, patient and the client seeing what is their journey how do they want to access the services what are their major pain points and what actually reduces their barriers to get access to to coming in clients can then they get matched so they answer you know set, set of questions and we use an algorithm that is designed to then match them to their best fit practitioner and you know a lot of the data suggests now that uh, you know, the therapeutic alliance is really a key element in in being able to retain uh, patients, but also to be able to get better outcomes for, for patients as well. And so we match them using that algorithm. We then connect them using an inbuilt video conferencing system, which is, uh, you know, secure, encrypted. 
and so we don't use a third-party application, WhatsApp or you know, other, other sort of video conferencing systems. And, and so that allows us to, to make sure that the, the end-to-end connection between the patient and the practitioner is completely secure, but also we're able to make sure that you are actually connecting with the person that you're, you're supposed to be connecting, as opposed to you know, the, the systems that you now have where you have a link and you can just send the link out because that link could be sent to, to anyone. So it connects them using the, the inbuilt sort of video conferencing system and then it measures uh, the progress of the of the patient. So patients have the ability to then you know provide uh, feedback in, in terms of their well-being. That information goes back to the practitioner, and they can use that that uh, data clinically to be able to then tweak their their sessions so that they actually improve the engagement with their uh, patients. So we've got one component which is really looking at the well-being, and the other component which looks at the therapeutic alliance between the uh, the patient and the practitioner. And what we have found through through that process is that it actually increases the uh, the engagement with the uh, practitioners and uh, keeps the the retention rates a lot higher. Uh, you know, stats sort of universal stats suggest that almost about, you know, 35% of of patients drop out after the the first session uh, and almost 65% drop out uh, before the 10th session. Right. So these are all sort of published uh, studies. But what we know is that the therapeutic alliance, in fact, will, will be able to actually keep people in those sessions uh, a lot longer. And through our task that we, that we call the therapeutic alliance score, you know, we have over 75 percent of our practitioners have a therapeutic alliance score of 84 percent and above. And so their retention rates are a lot, lot higher on our platform. And from a, if you look at it from a practitioner point of view, that, that makes a lot of sense for, for a practitioner. It also improves their sort of, you know, day-to-day management of, uh, of, of patients, but also reduces their, their, their overheads and costs as well, right? Because if, you, if you're constantly working with new patients who keep coming in, those costs actually go up if you're not actually retaining them. You know, that's the other advantage of the of the platform, the clinical data and the analytics that we get that we can then provide back to the patient and to the practitioner, which then improves engagement and outcomes within uh, within the therapeutic context, which is really important feature of the of the app. Was that what you were just referring to there? Practitioner? Uh, yeah, line score, yeah. So that is uh, something that you've developed within the context of your own intake onboarding process, the, the algorithm that supports the... Uh, extraction, I guess, of eliciting of the information that's coming out of the uh, client and then applying that against the practitioner group that you have within the cyber clinic. The onboarding process of the patient allows us to get a better match to the practitioner. And then once they've uh, started you know, the therapeutic process, uh, session by session, they're also providing information back to the to the practitioner about how they're going in the session, which the patients and practitioners can, uh, can track. Excuse me, the analytics also provides information to practitioners and we are, we are in the process of developing a number of these features now which which will which will allow practitioners to be then be able to see which groups of patients they most have better engagement with for example not only you know groups in terms of the presentations uh, that come but also through the different contracts because we've got a number of contracts with you know with, with corporates uh, with insurance companies with primary health care networks so the referral stream comes through a number of different sources and and now you know b2c as well and so that will allow 
practitioners to then look at, you know, where are they getting maximum engagement? Uh, what are the types of engagement? Where does the dropout occur? Is it through different contracts? So it's really quite exciting in terms of what the, the data analytics can provide in terms of improvement of not only the patient experience, but also the practitioner's experience of providing therapy uh, through a platform. Uh, those um, frameworks around patient reported outcome measurements and patient reported experience measurements is that is that a fair sort of well, interpretation of that yeah so it's a, it's a similar but we we are using you know a clinically validated uh, measures based on the research that we have built so this is you know proprietary information and we've built all of these scales into into our uh, system which then allows us to you know uh, do the analysis in terms of the data with the back end uh, to be able to give uh, more meaningful aggregate data back to the practitioners and, and to the patients about their experience uh, through the therapeutic process. Yeah, fantastic. So let's get into the integration. A lot of people who will be listening to uh, the podcast would know how I talk a lot about the digital health network and um, supporting interoperability. And a big reason for that is that the concept of digital health programs and that evolution by having you know, cyber clinic, as an example, out in front dealing with consumers and actually knowing how to speak to them, how to engage with them, how to actually bring about the interaction between uh, members of the public and the mental health care uh, sector. Behind the scenes, though, there also needs to be a network of uh, available mental health care practitioners. With our integration uh, in particular, do you want to talk us through some of the thinking that went into the idea of actually accessing the Core Plus community of mental health care providers and providing an opportunity for uh, those who would like to make some of their time available to CyberClinic to be able to interact with CyberClinic and participate in some of those um, digital health programs. You know, I've, I've been using Core Plus uh, for, for, for a number of years, over, over 10 years now, I've been, I've been using Core Plus in my, in my practice. So the decision to, you know, integrate and work with Core Plus was quite a seamless and, uh, you know, an easy one. You know, you, you've, got a, you've got a great team, you're very responsive to, you know, a lot of the sort of technological advances that are, that are going on. And, and so you're, you're really sort of, in, you know, in the forefront of a lot of the uh, development from a practice management point of view. And so that's what we were, we were really looking for from, you know, a cyber clinic's perspective, because cyber clinic is, is really a clinic, right? And so for us to be able to really operate uh, well, we need a practice management system and we are not a practice management system. And so the integration with, uh, with Core Plus was really sort of a, a natural choice. I think the other the other sort of uh, you know big big draw card is obviously the uh, the number of practitioners that you've got uh, you know right across the uh, the spectrum from you know in health in in general, which from a future focus for us is really an important sort of key key aspect from a collaborative uh, care point of view, but also just you know the um, practitioners that you've got currently in in mental health that was that was also really attractive to us, and so for for us now you know going through through the growth that we have because just prior to COVID. Uh, we were really in a in a B two B model, which means that we were really focused on working with with businesses because Medicare had really not come up to speed. There weren't those uh, telehealth item numbers, uh, except in regional rural areas, and so we didn't really feel that that market was uh, was really a ripe market. Now that you know, COVID is it, and really everything is moved, you know, on, online, uh, essentially, we, we've seen a rapid uptake. In fact, you know, on, on our platform, uh, we've now had a, 
almost a 700% increase in consults. And the statistics bear out just yesterday, there were, you know, there were stats showing over a million people are now accessing mental health care. So the demand for us is really starting to, to increase on the platform. And what we're looking for is, of course, now practitioner side to be able to, uh, you know, uh, provide and um, provide care to, to the patients that we're, we're getting on the platform. And so that's really been, uh, you know, the thinking around uh, the integration with, uh, with Core Plus. But also, you know, there are sort of other aspects around around that in terms of you know, the digital network that you also have access to, because we now have the B2C model in uh, in place where we can go direct to consumer. You have to get the referrals from uh, the GPs. You've got to be able to publish those those referrals so that you can get access to Medicare. And we've just completed a Medicare integration, which now allows patients to uh, get their Medicare rebate immediately after the end of the consult, without you know uh, practitioners having to uh, you know manually enter enter all of that information in. These are all you know things that you know we have looked very closely from a security point of view and the ability for data to be transferred in a in a very seamless way so that it can go back to practitioners and they can access all the information necessary for them to give them give their patients the uh, the care that they need. So that that integration you know was was really a prime consideration for us and why you know the choice of working with uh, with Coplus and uh, you know so far that experience has been uh, really great. We you know we now have the ability for practitioners through the add-on uh, that that you have uh, to be able to uh, jump on board Cyberclinic if they they feel like uh, they want more work because we've got a calendar integration uh, as a primary uh, function all the the bookings automatically get published the availabilities get published on the app so patients can see that in in real time but that integrates seamlessly with the uh, with the core plus platform so that you you can just have one system open and then uh, you can get all your bookings receive those uh, bookings get them automatically integrated into into your core plus account and so you don't have to to jump between different uh, systems yeah, I think that's um, that's a great summary, and I, I I wanted to add from our perspective, Core Plus uh, was built around the idea of connecting, helping, and growing uh, health providers. In the early days, in the earlier days, anyway, the GP referral stream was one of the more uh, universal ideas, and uh, I guess a standard way that most of mental health and other points of care were uh, attuned to understanding that and and accepting that was part of the process, and funding was associated with it. So part of the move towards um, building the digital health network was to make that as, uh, as clinically safe and, and seamless and secure as possible by actually building the Core Plus customers directly into the directories of GPs. So the GPs would be able to do that lookup and be able to pass the e-referral through to Core Plus practitioners. But the world's been changing, hasn't it? And what we're seeing is that GPs aren't the only source of referrals. They're certainly really important, especially when it comes to, to funding. And so being able to have that communication back to the GP when a mental health practitioner is working with a client is also catered for. It provides the Core Plus customer now the opportunity to look up the GP and send a report or send some additional information. So all of that's well and good. But what excites me about what we're doing here, we're now innovating new referral pathways uh, for, uh, for mental health practitioners where mental health practices that are using Core Plus can operate independently and uh, have their own private practice, but they can actually now see CyberClinic as a source of referrals. And by joining uh, the CyberClinic network and uh, being able to set up a schedule and publish that to uh, CyberClinic, that opens them up now to having a new referral stream. 
coming into the private practice without necessarily needing to change their business model. And I think um, mm. I really want to make that point and get that across because um, that's a really exciting innovation. It's it's a way of cooperating uh, in the healthcare industry without, in a, in a kind of a, a novel, in a new way. Traditionally, uh, you know, the only options for um, clinics has been to employ or contract within the context of their own business model. Now we have an opportunity to actually say to the community, if you've got availability and potentially adversely affected by these lockdowns, you're 20, 30% down in terms of clients coming in and there's some availability, you can cooperate with CyberClinic because CyberClinic has a 700% increase in uh, consumer demand, has built a really effective program to be able to deal with that intake and matching process. And so what we can do now is actually bring those referrals through. So that that is something that um, I really wanted to sort of uh, get across as well because it's super exciting around the potential. Do you want to talk at all to that? Well, I, I think you summed it up uh, really quite well. You know, it, it, it's an additional referral source. It doesn't impact on, uh, you know, the, the way that the practitioners are currently operating or, you know, if it's small group practices, uh, sole practitioners, they don't have to uh, stop seeing their, their current patients or, you know, uh, accepting referrals through the other avenues that they're coming through into, into the Core Plus system and getting booked into the Core Plus system. Because of this kind of seamless integration, it allows, uh, you know, practitioners to actually Actually, uh, accept or decline the the appointments as well. So you know that's another really you know important feature. And you know based on my own experience, because we know that you don't necessarily want to maybe take on all the patients that come in, or you you want to understand a little bit about the patient so that again you know you're, you're providing the right care within your area of competence as well. And so giving the you know the opportunity to to practitioners to be able to then determine if they want to actually take uh, those uh, particular patients on is also really quite important. So it doesn't stop them from, uh, you know, the current work that they do. It just gives them, an, you know, an additional referral source. Absolutely. And uh, I think another thing there is to acknowledge, I guess, the fact that as a virtual clinic, as a cyber clinic, you're not constrained by postcodes. So, uh, you know, you're able to promote access to mental health care support anywhere in Australia. You know, some of the magic between our integration is uh, factoring in that, yes, it's voluntary for um, other members of the Core Plus network to enable the integration with CyberClinic, uh, engage with CyberClinic and publish some of their time uh, in a measured way, whatever's convenient, whether it's a little or a lot. That's entirely between the uh, mental health practitioner and CyberClinic to, to work through but also uh, recognising what time zone they actually operate from, not just the quality of the matching between the clinical presentations and what areas of specialisation are and desirability for the mental health care practitioner, but also making sure that it's convenient for their scheduling and the amount of time that they're committing to uh, their practice as well. There is a, a separate discussion that needs to happen. Kasai, do you want to talk us through what you would be suggesting or recommending for mental health practitioners who would want to engage directly with CyberClinic? Yeah, so as you mentioned, you know, the process is quite seamless. If they want to sign up to, to CyberClinic and make their sort of availability uh, through Core Plus, they can certainly do that. So through the add-on, they, they need to uh, enable that. And what that allows us to do is then be able to publish that uh, so that we the, the calendars sync with each other. But on the other hand, what, what needs to happen is that they also do need to register 
on the cyber clinic platform. And a very important reason for that is because, you know, we've now just the, the rebates can occur uh, automatically through through the platform. But one of the requirements uh, through that Medicare integration is that practitioners need to have a provider number specifically linked to the, the ID of that, uh, of that service. Otherwise, patients can't get their Medicare rebates, right? Uh, so that's a government requirement. And as a result of that, we do require all our practitioners to register on our platform and uh, make their availability, et cetera, on the, on the platform, which can automatically sync with the, uh, with the Core Plus platform. But once, once that happens and they register, they just need to go to www.cyberclinic.com.au. On our website, there's a practitioner page. All they need to go is just log, log on to that, uh, put their details, and they'll automatically register. And one of our team will get in touch with them and then talk them through that process. And it's a very simple process of just setting up information, you know, profile. And then once all of that is uh, published and available, they then uh, become available. Now, the beauty on our system is that what practitioners can also do is that they can make themselves available for the retail clients, which are basically those coming with a mental health care plan, or they can make themselves available for the different contracts that we have. So we have multiple contracts. And depending on what they would like to uh, work on or which which areas they, they prefer, they can then make themselves available for those contracts. So what it allows us to do is help the practitioners really streamline what areas they want to work in. And then we add them to those particular types of contracts as well. You know, the, the other really interesting thing and, you know, a more recent development that we've had because of the demand is uh, we've also now created a, a feature on the, on the platform where, where practitioners can uh, set their availability to off so that they don't take on new patients. So that was a really interesting sort of, you know, development uh, uh, for, for us. Uh, and we had to work through the entire modality because what we had to do was allow practitioners to switch their availability so that they weren't available for new patients, but continue to see their ongoing patients as well. And that's what we have a lot of our practitioners doing. And then so what they can do is when again, when they feel like their books have opened up again, they just, you know, flick uh, the switch, and then they are uh, available to all the uh, the patients through the contracts and, and retail, whichever one they, they choose. So it's a very, very simple, seamless process for, for practitioners to manage uh, their availability. That's fantastic, and it's it's a very scalable uh, model, Kasai. It's uh, you know any any Australian, if, uh, in effect, whether they're coming through one of the B two B programs that you're running, or whether it's uh, the B two C or retail, I think is the term that you used, uh, client engagement. They're going to uh, be matched and allocated to available healthcare practitioners who are uh, f- yeah, the right fit uh, for them, and that could be uh, that could be a practitioner anywhere in Australia. Uh, completely in a completely different state from where the uh, client is um, is actually sitting. That's a wonderful experience and a great opportunity for uh, for that individual to be able to work through their issues. Mm. Yeah, and, and you know, to give you an example, uh, you know, I mean, now it seems like the you know the the, the bushfires are a, are a distant memory for us, but that yeah. was just you know almost about seven or eight months ago, right? And we had the bushfires, and there was a massive uh, sort of need there, but. What we were able to do within within 24 hours, we were able to have about 200 appointments a week available on our platform for those people in bushfire affected areas. So that goes to that point around scalability, you know, how quickly we can make access to people who are in need 
and that's what the the platform um, is is capable of uh, of doing based on you know the community of practitioners that we have and and their availability uh, we can we can sort of publish that and make it available to to different groups different segments and so in terms of you know crisis in in terms of uh, you know a response to, uh, to to different sort of you know to a pandemic or to to other sort of situations that are that are occurring you know we can scale it very quickly and make that availability to meet the uh, meet the search demand which also then presents you know quite a lot of opportunities for uh, for our practitioners as well and also for members of the the core plus uh, user community who uh, you know there's definitely uh, some mental health practices out there you know wait lists as long as 6 months very busy the demands uh, placed upon them and i guess the success of their own uh, marketing practices and client retention and the like has been very strong but there are also some practices that have either stayed the same or perhaps have had some uh, contraction and so, you know, for, for those ones, there's a great opportunity here to actually be able to align with CyberClinic, still retain their private client list and, and work as little or as much as they would like in cooperation with, uh, with CyberClinic. It's really key. And an innovation that's uh, come out recently from uh, Core Plus Kasai, it's a co-created practitioner profile uh, validation framework called a service registration assistant. We have uh, built this in order to provide some credentialing and some validation around practitioners where uh, when a practice is setting up itself or adding new practitioners or removing practitioners, they're able to actually validate against um, ARPA if necessary, against the Australian Digital Health Agency. They can do that using proto credentials. They can also do that, validate some addresses that they're operating from or to in the process. And we have some plans to continue to develop that as far as being able to build that that profile framework and that should underpin and support digital health program thinking along the lines of what you've developed here. What do you think is going to happen over the next uh, 12 months? Yeah, look, I think in the, in the more immediate future, we've, we've got some uh, significant plans from a feature dev point of view for, for the, the product itself. One of the key sort of feedbacks that we've been getting is, is really a, around the algorithm. So we're using a lot of that data to now work out, you know, where, where the matches are and uh, how, how good they are and what, what else we need and what are the other things that we need to be asking, you know, uh, patients uh, to, to get a better fit. Uh, so part of our plan now is to, is to get the uh, is to develop what we call a dynamic algorithm which will actually change uh, and adjust the the questions based on the responses that are being provided and then accordingly get, get a better fit and a better match to, to practitioners so that's a an entire design that we've created a clinical uh, design around how that would work uh, but also it will give much finer data points to, uh, to practitioners around their engagement and different levels of engagement as well from personality styles of patients and practitioners uh, to be able to get a better fix on what is actually working and who's it working for but I think you know the the longer term vision uh, uh, for for cyberclinic is really to move into machine learning. We're we're already doing uh, some of that and using AI more smartly because I think the 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 context in terms of health right now, and we're talking about the larger context of you know Australia as a whole. I don't really believe that the government has has really uh, harnessed the power of technology the way it should be doing it. You know, technology in, in its current form is is changing rapidly. We're, we're seeing the pace, you know, exponentially uh, growing. And there's so much we can do with that with that technology. But but really, the, the government, uh, from a health perspective, has not really embedded uh, 
technology into into its framework, and they need to be doing a lot lot more. So part of our work is also to educate the uh, the government around around that, based on our experience, based on the you know the the data that we we get around what is actually working, what's not working. How machine learning can really help to develop uh, uh, the the interaction, the engagement, the ease of ease of access, and and using voice analytics. So that's uh, another area that we're sort of looking at, you know, quite uh, quite heavily uh, from an AI perspective. But really, ultimately, my my vision for for Psychoclinic is really, you know, what I call precision therapy. So really, being able to uh, have us. As, as practitioners uh, provide really appropriate uh, type of therapy, but being able to then predict which type of people need what types of therapy uh, to get a particular types of outcome. And that entire series, uh, you know, from, from diagnosis to outcome has never really been uh, done before. And that's really our, our main goal to, to get uh, precision therapy into the key part of the, the mental health model, because I think that is going to be a real game changer. It's going to really impact on how the government uh, funds, uh, you know, the, the types of Medicare rebates also, you know, being made being able to make a case for getting more sessions available for patients. We've already seen the governments increase the number of sessions from 10 to 20, but it's a, it's a one size fits all. So it's like, you know, everyone gets, can get access potentially to 20 sessions, but what about the people who need more? And there's no way for the government to really determine who actually does need more, who needs less, who's appropriate for, uh, you know, particular types of uh, therapy. And that's really our goal is to, is to develop the precision therapy model and embed that within uh, within the entire uh, mental health ecosystem in Australia. I totally relate to what you're describing there. There seems to be it's, – it's quite amazing. I, I read something recently. I'm, I just can't think of uh, the source of it at this point in time, but I read something recently that uh, it's estimated by give or take uh, 2022 that our smartphones are probably going to know more about our emotional state than our own family members. That's a real incredible innovation opportunity there to actually be able to work through – all those data points that can be developed or can be captured and are already being captured in essence by smart technology. I mean, whether it's the relationship between um, locations, how often we move around. I'm reading some studies at the moment that sort of talk about some of the issues that correlate highly towards uh, depression, for example, when people don't have a certain frequency of movement, um, you know, throughout the community. And that's highly relevant at the moment. There seems to be some data points there that show that when um, when people are more social and more interactive and move around more frequently, they tend to have less presentations of depression, as an example. We're seeing this fantastic revolution, I guess, of opportunity around the idea of digital mental health and how that actually gets integrated and augmented into the um, therapy. And I, I, I just want to ask you about that in a sense, uh, you know, so the precision care model that you have in, in your mind's eye, that vision that you talk about, do you see that as being entirely within the framework of cyberclinic or are you looking at also partnering or developing alliances with digital mental health tools uh, that can actually facilitate that augmented therapeutic approach going forward? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as I said, look, you know, my my vision for for cyberclinic is that it is a clinic. It's a it's a super clinic effectively, right? And so the idea in terms of the the clinic is that our main focus is therapeutic outcomes 
for our for our patients, right? And so any any uh, system or model or technology that will allow us to do that is what what we would be looking at. So you know there there are you know biometric devices, for example, you know things that you can get on your you can use currently on your on your phone, right? You've got the the health kits, etc., that give you all this data. So so we would be looking at you know uh, partnering with other systems technologies that are really forward thinking around this and how we could actually you know utilize that data to then get better outcomes. I think the key thing here is that, you know, there, there is a lot of, and, and this is part of sort of that, you know, the entire machine learning sort of component, but what we call structured data, unstructured data, and then you need to be able to sort of look at that or train train the model. And part of the difficulty right now is that you, you are getting a lot of data, disparate data about different people for different things, and you can't match that that data. So you don't have the entire patient journey to be able to say this is what, what will occur and then compare all of that. So compare all those data points. That's the big drawback currently from a precision therapy point of view. So if you want to say that we we know, uh, you know, if someone comes in with a presentation of, let's say, you know, 10 on a, on a particular scale, depression scale, uh, and then they get matched to this practitioner with this personality style and they present with this style, uh, they do X number of sessions, they should get this particular outcome that entire journey doesn't exist because there's no way to capture that data and that's really my vision for cyberclinic that if we're able to get all of that information you know of course you know all anonymized uh, data then we will be able to create better models of care specifically tuned to the individual themselves just like we're doing with medication now that's exactly what we we, we could be doing from a therapeutic point of view where do you think the low-hanging fruit is? Is it facial recognition, voice? For, for mental health, I think definitely uh, voice is, is where we need to be going and, and using machine learning, deep learning to, to really be able to extract a lot of that information. And so, you know, I mean, if you, if you think about it from a counselling point of view, I mean, that is, that's the key area. That's what we're doing. But, you, you know, you can imagine the sort of the, the implications that has, like if you're able to kind of understand that and understand what, uh, you know, how people are engaging uh, with their with their practitioner, what are the things that they're saying, their tone, inflection, etc. Uh, you know, you could be you could sort of replicate that into preventative models in terms of engagement with chatbots and things like that. So so that you can kind of engage people and then bring them down that uh, therapeutic process, right? I mean, there was an article which I actually just shared on, on LinkedIn. This was a you know a global study that was uh, done, I think, by maybe Microsoft and and Google uh, in in terms of you know employees. What they found was that almost about 80% of their employees said that they would be happy to uh, engage with AI over a human for mental health uh, difficulties. And, and the key driver of that was that it was judgment free. So there's still that kind of sense that people have that there is a judgment even when you're with, a, you know, with, with your therapist. But, but they are uh, more willing now to engage with, uh, you know, with a chatbot or a, you know, a robot, really, uh, than they are with the with the practitioner because maybe they feel that they can uh, you know, maybe get better outcomes and, uh, you know, feel more validated in that sense and less judged. And understanding that, I think, from a therapeutic point of view, for us becomes really important. But if we can, you know, I mean, the implications around that are also really huge from a training perspective, right? Like if you understand uh, what what the engagement is, uh, who is engaging, why, what do you need to be saying in therapy to get the outcomes, uh, you know, that could, that could really influence all our training models in mental health. 
I mean, digital mental health has kind of been talked about for a little while and there are, you know, a variety of web-based products and, you know, there are thousands of applications out there trying to, you know, promise this or that. And But engagement and that sort of uh, step forward has been uh, the, the notorious challenge, hasn't it? It's been one of those things that a lot of trials in a clinical context with digital health tools in the past have kind of shown a more optimistic view on how effective it was going to be than what actually translated into reality. I suppose it kind of, it's just part of human nature. We we all have um, that silent majority within us. So overcoming those barriers and actually starting the journey, feeling comfortable, getting okay with the idea is a big part of the opportunity, I think. It almost feels to me as though we're now on the cusp of a, a revolution, I guess, in the, in, in the fields of uh, digital mental health care. What, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, COVID has really accelerated it. And, and what I've seen as well in terms of just the, the way, it, you know, from a, from a therapeutic point of view, engagement online with patients, that the nature of that has, has also changed, you know, and how, how I engage and, uh, you know, clinically deliver uh, treatment. But what we're seeing is that because of COVID, because of Zoom, because of, you know, working from home, now people have become, you know, very comfortable with it. And so our future is going to be, from a you know service delivery point of view, it's going to become a blended approach, just like working from home. So we are going to have to seamlessly move people between online, offline modalities, but still providing the same continuity of care for them. And that's going to be the, the, the real challenge in terms of what systems are able to, to do that. And that's where you know cyberclinic is, is really positioned to, to start to develop that, that modality so that the patient experience uh, is consistent. Uh, the practitioner experience is, is is profound in a way that they can actually provide the treatment that they they want uh, to their patient, and and so both parties come out uh, you know winning really. In a in a previous life before uh, Core Plus and Health Tech X, I had co-founded a teleradiology service. What was really remarkable about that was that the radiologists who were engaging with it. We're talking sort of in the early mid two thousands here. Uh, the radiologists that were engaging with it, they were able to not just work with it, but they actually restructured their entire lives, including their families around it, so that they stopped just working for one organisation and they started uh, working for multiple organisations. And then all of a sudden the opportunity to, uh, I remember these two radiologists in particular, they always had these, these were separate people, they had these dreams, one wanted to go to Aspen for two months but could never take the time away because they were just in one contract. Once they actually discovered teleradiology, not only did they go to Aspen for two months, but they spent the rest of the year as a family travelling to different parts of the world and they would check in and read, so to speak, that was the terminology for it, do the reading for a couple of hours a day, Monday to Friday, and they were able to actually incorporate a lifestyle and, and, and better family balance into their professional lives as well. So in a sense, that was a real precursor to the idea of the digital nomad. That's a really understated... Uh, benefit to the practitioner that mm. you can actually reimagine your life. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's fairly consistent with your with your tagline, reimagining healthcare, and that's exactly what this is about, isn't it? And on that point, it's a really interesting point because I've actually had a, a you know a couple of uh, practitioners who have moved interstate, but because they've been on the cyber clinic platform and the, and their patients have been on the platform, they've been able to to take them with them. So there's been no disruption. Uh, to their practice. And so it goes to that sort of the idea of the digital nomad that you can actually go wherever you want now without the fear of actually losing your 
practice or your patient base and uh, you know a lot of patients that you've been seeing for, for many years who want to continue seeing you. That's a great point to, to end it today, Kasai. Thank you so much for coming in. Um, you know, both sides of the equation there, the moving towards precision health for um, people in need of mental health care services and embracing innovation opportunities with uh, digital health, digital tools, digital mental health. And on the other side, the value prop for the practitioners having either a new referral stream at a, at a, at a minimum or potentially a, uh, a reimagined uh, professional working life uh, on mm-hmm. the other end of the spectrum. I think it's amazing and congratulations uh, to you with uh, Cyber Clinic and thanks for coming and having a chat with me today. Yeah, thanks a lot, Yanni, and thanks very much for the opportunity. It's always great chatting with, uh, with you about where, where things are going in the future of technology. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.